Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Gals of Geekdom podcast. I am one of your hosts, Krista Williams. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm joined by my equally amazing and talented and fun co-hosts, Jazzy and Ash. Ma'am, this is a Wendy's, also she, they. <laughs> and I'd like to order a Baconator, also she, they. Ma'am, this is not a Wendy's. Too bad. I want a Baconator. Well, go fucking get a Baconator. Well, I want a Baconator from you. I don't make Baconators, Ash. Well, figure it out. Well, you could. See, that sounds like a you problem. <laughs> yeah, on. exactly. Thank you. <laughs> I got your back. So Jazzy's Baconators. Uh, I'm sure you do. I'm, I'm sure you got Well, your, it's, it's pretty your... e- easy to figure out. You just I'm, need... I'm sure you got my Baconator. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's an easy thing to make. You just need your bacon and then you need your aider. That's it. What the fuck is an aider? Um, that's what I did to your mom. Uh, oh, god damn it! I walked right into that one, didn't I? She did too. Oh fuck! I'm out of here. Bye. Okay, uh, that's it for the podcast, Gals Geekdom. Thanks for joining us. You can find me at Ashley Groovy on Twitter. You can find no. I was going to let the bit go, but I decided against it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad to be on the podcast again. It's been more than a month, actually. Yeah, you. we took you off timeout. Yeah. What did you I'm do that, that you, What did you do that landed you in timeout? Uh, I saw Megan in the Infinity Pool without you guys. Yeah. Oh, why aren't you in timeout longer, you fucking bitch? <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> what if I just mute your mic? <laughs> Okay, I can't can't go over those two too much because neither Jazzy nor Crystal have seen them, so I'll be brief. Megan was tons of fun. (laughs) I I really had a blast with it. Uh, It's it's a very self-aware kind of movie, but also it had kind of effective dramatic moments, which I was not expecting. Because if you've seen the trailer, then you know the kind of tone that this movie is going for. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then I also saw Infinity Pool, which is a film from David Cronenberg's son, Brandon Cronenberg. I know Crystal is on a Cronenberg kick lately. Uh, Cronenberg's fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, he is. And so is his son, because I really liked Infinity Pool. But, like, I also feel like I need to see it again, because, like, the way it's presented like, kind of confused me a bit, even though I did like it. But, yeah, I feel like I need to see it again. And plus, Mia Goth is in it, and she kicks butt again. Uh, the way you said about how it confused you and you might need to watch again, that's how I felt watching End of Evangelion. In fact, I just realized, last podcast I said I was in the middle of, last podcast I was on, I said I was in the middle of Evangelion. I got through it, and the movie End of Ava, so... Yeah, and I know absolutely dick about that show. I know it's a show that exists, and it was made by people. By people. <laughs> End of Ava's a mind fuck. I'm just gonna say that right now. I think, it, but it's a masterpiece of mind That's fuckery. My That's my favorite kind of fuck. <laughs> I mean, in, isn't Infinity Pool also kind of a mind fuck? Oh yeah, big. Okay. So well, I'll just say that Brandon is his father's son. I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, did you see Possessor? Any of you? I, I didn't see it. No. 
I have not. That's Brendan's other Brandon. movie. Yeah. Uh, I did see uh, Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Actually, I know it's not horror, but it's a twenty-four. No, it's a twenty-four, so it's horror adjacent, I guess. Oh please! You watch that movie and call it horror adjacent. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> All right. Look, so, well, yeah. if you if you're scared of shells, Jazzy and I both saw Marcel the Shell with shoes on, and Which I haven't seen, but I want to see. Freaking loved it. This is personally my pick for best animated feature. I think mm. it's gonna go. I think it's gonna go to Pinocchio, honestly, just based on how the Academy votes. But my pick would be this one, honestly. I really liked it. I liked the themes of family and everything that it was doing. And I and, and I know Jazzy likes another thing that's about family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but I, uh, I told Jazzy this as I was watching it, but Marcel's joining the, the vibes, Fast and Furious movies. The, yes. <laughs> the vibes this movie was going for made me think this was if as if Studio Ghibli made a mockumentary. There That's is kind of is going for. There is kind of this Ghibli esque amount of chill going on in this movie. Yeah, and I, I think that's what drew me to it. Like it was a very cute, breezy, emotionally filled movie, and I really liked it. Mm-hmm. But my personal pick for best animated feature is one that we all have seen: Puss in Boots: The Last Wish. Let's uh, discuss. The- I re- I really liked that one. Yes, same. Well, I, I recently rewatched the first Puss in Boots just to kind of prepare myself, and I still really like that movie. I think that movie's really cute and funny. Um, but it was okay. I thought it was okay. Still, haven't seen the first one. I mean, honestly, you didn't even need to see the first one to enjoy. Well, you do get introduced to Kitty Softpaws. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, but true. But like I said, you don't even need to see the first one or any of the Shrek movies to enjoy Puss in Boots: The Last Wish. We could do spoilery if you want to do on this, but yeah, I'm going to say... Spoiler warning I, for Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. I, I will say, since we're in spoiler warning, I did think there was a bit, like, throughout the film where they were talking about, like, a bad thing that happened in Puss and Kitty's relationship, and I initially thought, like, when they brought, when that element was introduced, that that was in the first movie, but then they revealed what it was, and I'm like, oh, okay, it's a whole thing that happened between movies, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really call back to the first one outside of their obvious, you know, their relationship that they know each other. Um, yeah, but it is like a natural evolution of their relationship from the first one. Weirdly we, enough, though, this film called back way more uh, to I, I would I would argue to Shrek than the first Puss and Boots did by like yeah, like like you can see Shrek and Donkey when Puss's lives are flashing before his eyes. You can see he's the gingerbread man, and he's one of his deaths. Man, you can see Pinocchio. Oh wow, Pinocchio pops up in a bunch of best animated feature nominees. Oh yeah, huh? Yeah, uh, yeah. You see Pinocchio. You see the Wicked Witch from Shrek Forever After. Uh, yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the three bears and Goldilocks showed up on Shrek. Yeah, the three bears were in the first Shrek movie, but like this is a compl- I feel like this is completely different because Goldilocks. I think they had British accents though, didn't they? They were British. Well, as well no, the, the, they they the mother wasn't British in the first one. The mother was okay. dead and made into a carpet. Oh, that's yes, right. True. This is a completely different set. So and they retcon that. Like Goldilocks and the three bears were one of my favorite aspects of this movie. Like, I just loved their entire dynamic. But can I just say, 
and I love how delightfully evil Jack Horner was. That was oh, every that, moment that, with him was phenomenal. Like that's Jack Ryan has been talking about, like how hilarious Jack Horner is. The thing about Jack Horner that I like is I feel he's probably the first memorable villain in an like at first joyously love to hate memorable villains I've seen in animated film in a long time. He felt like he was like. It, this felt like someone wanted to bring back kind of a Disney Renaissance type of villain. Honestly, like, not necessarily someone who's deep or complex, but is just evil and totally loves it. Yeah, I can see that. And, like, yeah, John Mulaney was so much fun as that character. Mm-hmm. Though the highlight villain, even though he is up there, but he just barely edged out by fucking death. Yes. Yes, the big bad wolf is death. <laughs> and I love that. Like, they could have made it, like, ambiguous if he was death or not, but that he literally says, I don't mean it metaphorically or rhetorically or poetically or theoretically. I'm death straight up. <laughs> I love that line. And can I just say that I am so grateful that Spider-Verse opened the door for, like, this kind of stylized CG animation that we've been getting a lot of recently? Yes, we are starting to see the impact of Spider-Verse on the animation uh, on animation as a whole. And it wasn't just in this movie. It was in another DreamWorks movie of 2022, The Bad Guys. You can I also... I also enjoyed that one. Not as much, not nearly as much as Puss in Boots, but I definitely enjoyed The Bad Guys. Oh, yeah. I thought that was a lot like, of fun. Yeah, I like The Bad Guys, but it's it's not in my top five animated films of the year. Oh, no, not even close. Uh, it's kind of funny how when going over my top five animated films of the year, the one film that almost made it into the top five but was edged out was fucking Bob's Burgers. So. Yes. <laughs> I like Bob's Burgers. Yeah, yeah, it's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. It's just, it would have been funny if it was in the top five. In fact, it was until I watched Marcel, so. Yeah. Uh, I want to also give credit if we were discussing the, uh, the villains and person votes, and I also have to, I think my favorite moments of the movie in terms of, like, straight up comedy was, uh, Jack Corner's relationship with Ethical Bug. Uh, <laughs> every scene with that is hilarious. Uh, yeah, you know, I never had much as a kid. A thriving baked goods enterprise for me to inherit. Loving parents, a mansion, useless crap like that. <laughs> uh, and I know this scene has been sh- shared all over the internet, and some may say it's overdone, but I still love the bit where the fucking bug realizes just how horrible Jack is. <laughs> <laughs> You're horrible! <laughs> He tries, but the the voice acting on him is so good. Uh, the voice well, acting all around was so long, idiot. <laughs> the voice acting all around was spectacular. Um, like I, everyone was great. I always love Antonio Banderas in this role. He's always like I'm always happy when he's back playing Puss in Boots because he does such a great job. Oh yeah, I think um I think what also works about this film is that it it keeps. I mean, obviously Shrek started off with some petty. Uh, you know, petty asshole Jeffrey Katzenberg uh, poking at Disney, and I still love that, that that sort of comedy is still layered into like this whole franchise, like today. Like with, like I just love the biting satirical take it's t- it's making fun of Disney's 
type of films, but doing it in, in its own way. Uh, I kind of love that the pettiness is still there, and it's kind of amazing. Oh, yeah. And also, um, the fact that Antonio Banderas got to sing a song at the beginning made me just how robbed we were when in t- when he didn't get to play the Phantom in the Joel Schumacher movie. <laughs> oh, he was great. That song was great. <laughs> I know. And it makes me sad because he was supposed to play the Phantom at one point, but got passed up for Gerard Butler. God, I better. Oh, he would have been so good. Right? He's so charming and, like, so talented. I think he could absolutely pull that off. <laughs> like, and he, like, I would have loved to see him play the Phantom and just, like, because that's such an interesting, villainous, like, character with such nuance. You know, I will say that, I said this on Twitter, but I'm mo- I'm mostly pleased with the nominees, despite the fact that I'm kind of bitter Bell wasn't among the nominees. It's weird because I'm I'm aware it technically doesn't count because it was released in 2021 in Japan, but at the same time, Marcel was released in 2021 at Film Festival. So yeah, like instead they nominated a, a film called The Sea Beast, which I will watch out of curiosity, but it can't be better than Bell. <laughs> no. Like it's so weird that this, that Bell didn't get a nomination for. Not only none of none of not only the as an animated feature, but also any of its songs because its songs are fucking spectacular. Oh yeah, like they, well, like regardless of what language you're 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 viewing the film in, so music is a universal language. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, speaking of awards, do we want to talk about that Razzies controversy? <laughs> oh yes, so yeah, the Razzie nominations were announced. Uh, a few days ago, and they got uh, a bunch of shit, and rightfully so, for nominating a child. It, it's and it's weird because it's like it's not even. It would have been bad if it was like a universally reviled performance or whatever, but it, it that would have been bad. But it was. But it's also just not only infuriating but confusing because the like. Um, hold on, let me look up the actress's name because I'm blanking. Oh, I got it. Uh, Ryan Kiera Armstrong. Right. Like, I was aware that she was generally one of the more praised aspects of that movie. I've noticed that the Razzies tend to nominate people just to get some sort of, I don't know, reaction. Like, sometimes I'll see, like, their nomination, nominations and I'll just be like, I don't know how you could even call that a bad performance. Like, right. if you're not right. nominating based on the movie, right? But even, like, sometimes critically, like, either mediocre or mostly, like, well-liked films also get nominated. So I'm... It's it's baffling at times. I think that that, that, that award show is so... I right. get it's supposed it's, to be comedy, but it's also just, like, deeply mean-spirited. I hate the Razzies. Is, oh, the Razzies are terrible. And there were a lot of... There were a few nominations this year that were confusing, like, not just that. Um, You had the fact that Bryce Dallas Howard got nominated for Jurassic World Dominion, and I'll say it right now, she was one of the better performances in that movie. Like, yeah. You nominated and, her, but not but not Chris Pratt, who looked like he was falling asleep at every frame. Yeah, and not to mention they nominated uh, Tom Hanks for Elvis, which I don't understand. It doesn't make a lot of sense. That was a good performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a very enjoyable performance. I mean, if if you're if you're if you think the campiness is bad, you know what I mean? It is intentionally over the top a little bit. 
That doesn't mean it's a bad performance. Like, I think that's what he was going for, though. I think that's what the movie was going for. Oh, the whole movie was like, like on like on another level. It was just like right, very right, like, heightened. It didn't it didn't make any like it, that movie is very much about the emotions of the situations as opposed to like the which, reality. Which you know? is fitting to Baz Luhrmann. Like a lot of his films have a few like supporting performances that are relatively cartoony compared to the more like rounded and emotional power of the leads. That's usually what he goes for. That's that's his thing. The so, whole movie is like that. Like so why edited, are you why are you giving shit to Tom Hanks of all actors for doing for understanding the assignment? Do you, yes. It's like have oh. these joker have these jokers never watched a Baz Luhrmann movie before? There yes. there's you've never seen Moulin Rouge or Romeo and Juliet? Like yeah, Colonel Tom Parker is an unabashed asshole in real in real life. Mm-hmm. So, and so having Tom Hanks play him as like this goofy cartoon caricature, like I enjoyed it, and that's what the movie was going for. Methinks the Razzies don't understand what camp is. A lot of people don't understand what camp is. But um, in regards to in regards to Ryan Kara Armstrong, yes, they did eventually rescind the nomination. But they practically did it kicking and screaming because, like, John John Wilson, who um, pretty much the – he's pretty much the uh, ringleader of this fucking circus, <laughs> basically was like – but she ba- he basically responded by saying that she was – it shouldn't matter because she's a professional actor with previous experience. The controversy was overblown. And so it's clear that this was done – that – at this point, the only reason they rescinded the nomination and added the new age restriction wasn't because they felt bad. It's because they got enough shit on Twitter. And considering last year they got shit for the Bruce Willis debacle, they probably realized they needed to be careful. Yeah, uh, here's here's what he said. Like, before the nomination was rescinded, he said, the level of criticism the nomination received was, quote, overblown. But also, he said, the intent was to be funny. In this particular instance, we seem to have misstepped very badly. I would admit that. And then three days later, they rescinded the nomination. Right, so I don't think they rescinded it out of the goodness of their heart. If there was any goodness in their heart, they wouldn't have fucking done it in the first place. Like, the the original bullshit excuse was that Armstrong had come in fifth place out of the five available spots, and they approved it on the grounds that Armstrong was a, quote, professional actress with prior experience. I guess, but this was like her, like, she had mainly minor roles at that, at that point. Like, Firestarter was her first lead performance, keep in mind, so. Yeah, true. Yeah, and, you know, I agree that, that, that just seems like, you know, being mean for the sake of being mean. Which is why I hate the Razzies. (laughs) All right. But now let's talk about, uh, the Oscars, if you don't mind. Let's talk about something that's not the Razzies. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So this is the first year in a long time where I actually saw the majority of the nominees. Oh, nice. Yeah. uh, And yeah. I've seen a few. Uh, Yeah. I just haven't seen all of them yet. In terms of the nominees I've seen, the only ones I really kind of have to question just because they're not necessarily bad movies, but just their weird choices for best picture are Avatar and Top Gun Maverick. Like they were, they were, they were entertaining movies, but I don't think they were best picture material. I mean, especially, especially Maverick. 
Well, some people wouldn't be inclined to agree with you, but like Top Gun Maverick was a widely beloved movie, like like it or not. I get it. It was widely beloved because it sucks the military's dick. <laughs> True. And, <laughs> like, yeah. I, and here's the thing. It's a good movie. I think it's a good movie, but I don't think it's best picture worthy. It's a, it's a fun action film with Tom Cruise doing his Tom Cruise thing. Yeah, it's not even in, like, my top 15 of the year. And you know what? Neither is Avatar The Way of Water, which, I, which mind you, I liked. Right. I, I th- like, Avatar The Way of Water, I'm a bit more mixed on critically, but as far as entertainment, I enjoyed it. Um, but, I've not seen it yet. Going to. Every time but, I plan to go see that movie, it gets ruined. <laughs> <laughs> um, but honestly, my personal pick for um, what should be the big winner this year is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Like... I agree on that. I'm rooting for them. I want right. the weirdness to win. <laughs> but everything, everywhere, all at once is main competitor is the Banshees of Innie Sharon, which you both need to see. It is on HBO Max right now. Watch it whenever you can because it is an amazing movie. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I, I'm curious about it, so I'm going to check it out when I can. Like, but, but just to get you hooked, it's a movie about a guy who doesn't want to be friends with another guy so badly he'll cut off his own fingers. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, a darkly funny movie. But I didn't see a lot of the Best Picture nominations. I, I, can't, was, I can't wait to see that. Uh, I was – oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, but I was about to say, I did see all but one of the Best Animated Feature um, nominees, though. The only one I haven't seen was Seabees, but I've seen Pinocchio, Marcel – Puss in Boots and Turning Red, so. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, there's Avatar The Way of Water, there's Top Gun Maverick, Banshees of E. Sharon, uh, Elvis, which, yeah, I saw and I loved. Uh, Fablemans. I saw that, yeah. Yeah, Fablemans, which you Going to see, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. It's Spielberg at his most personal, and I loved it. And the rest I have not seen. Tar, Triangle of Sadness, Women Talking, and All Quiet on the Western Front. I didn't see those either. Neither did I. I want to say I read the book for All Quiet on the Western Front in, like, middle or high school, but I'm struggling to remember. It might have have been high school because it might have been assigned to us, but I didn't read it because I didn't give a shit. (laughs) I wasn't an ideal high school student is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Okay, so best director, uh the Daniels, of course, for everything everywhere all at once. That's my personal pick. But that's what I want to win. Yeah. And but they might choose Spielberg for the Fablemans. He won for the um he won the Golden Globe. Yes, he did yeah. win the Golden Globe. That's right. Uh so yeah, Daniels for Everything Everywhere is my pick. Uh mm-hmm. Best Actor. That is close for me, between Austin Butler for Elvis, even though, you know, he did the... I, I don't think Austin Butler should win, because I think the more we reward unhealthy, quote-unquote, method acting, I think... I think I think it's going to be Brendan Fraser this year for yeah, The Whale. I, I, I still need to see The Whale. Like, critical perception on that is mixed, but everyone agrees that Brendan Fraser was good in that movie, so I need to see it. But yeah, I didn't see that one, but then yeah. my my pick by default is Colin Farrell for Banshees of Eddie Sharon. It's funny, I've seen all three of them win at different award shows this year, so I think it's gonna be Brendan Fraser. Knowing yeah. how the Academy tends to tends to go. Um mm-hmm. 
But my, there's, there's a possibility for the other ones. My pick would be based on what I've seen, Brendan Fraser, but I wouldn't doubt if, like, just based on how the Academy works, I wouldn't be surprised if they gave it to Austin Butler because got a reward, the quote, the gross misunderstanding of method acting. Uh, okay, moving on to Best Actress. Uh, it's a close race between Kate Blanchett for Tar and Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Michelle Yeoh is my pick. I want I, Michelle Yeoh, yeah. I still want to see Tar, though, because Kate Blanchett is a pretty good actress. But By the way, uh, Tar just got on Peacock, so if you have Peacock, it's that. Oh, nice. Yeah. But, like, come on, Kate Blanchett has two Oscars already. Right. Yeah, like, yeah Michelle, I want Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, and also Michelle, Michelle Williams for The Fablemans is up for the award. And she was pretty good in that movie, too. But come on, Michelle Yeoh. She, easy pick. All right, uh, Best Supporting Actor. We all know who we want to win Best Supporting Actor. I <laughs> yeah, think I think it's probably easy. almost in the bag. <laughs> yeah, but the other nominees are uh, Brendan Gleeson for Banshees of E. Sharon, uh, Barry Cogan for Banshees of E. Sharon, uh, Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway. Which was, I was surprised. He hadn't been nominated for any of the other, for most of the other award shows. Who? Brian Tyree Henry. Yeah, this was his, this is his first Oscar nomination. No, I was excited. I, like, mm-hmm. he wasn't, that movie's not really being picked up, um, for the other, like, award shows that have been going on. So, like, seeing him was kind of like a surprise. Like, a good surprise, because I like him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we, we all know that it's going to go to Kihui Kwan. Yes. Kihui Kwan absolutely deserves it. I, that is my pick. Uh, it would be a damn shame if it wasn't him, though. I, I wouldn't object to Brian Tyree Henry either, just cause he's a cool dude. So. Yeah, he's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Moving on to best supporting actress. That, oh boy. Okay. So Stephanie Sue finally got a nomination. Alongside Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, and then Jamie Lee Curtis is also in that nomination. I think this is her first Oscar nomination, actually. I think here's the. I think it should be Stephanie Sue, just because I think her performance yeah. as Jobutapaki was so outstanding. I wouldn't object to Curtis getting the win either, just because Jamie Lee Curtis is queen. Yes, but as we all know, there is another actress up for the award, and that is, of course, the one and only. Angela Bassett as Play, playing character who is only there for less than 10 minutes. So I still haven't seen the movie yet. It comes out on Disney plus February 1st. So I will yeah. give my opinion on that once I see that. Um, but I do love Angela Bassett. I love okay, her but- too. And I love her performance here. I just find it funny that this is the one nomination Wakanda forever is, seems to be getting consistently. And it's for a character who's not in much of the movie. <laughs> Okay, but you cannot deny that she owned those 10 minutes. Yes, she did. Like, I won't deny that. I just think it's, I just think it's odd is all I'm saying. Like, <laughs> But yeah, my, uh, and then there's Hong Chow for The the Whale and Carrie Condon for Banshees of E. Sharon. Uh, yeah, our our picks are, of course, Stephanie Sue as Jobu Tabaki. Uh, okay, original screenplay. This one, you know, they have to give to everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Or they'll do Fablemans. Maybe. Like. I mean, they might. They might give it. 
to Banshees of Eni Sharon because Banshees of Eni Sharon won it at the at the Golden Globes. True. Okay. Oh. But I mean, to be fair, Banshees of Eni Sharon was an amazing movie, so I don't know. Maybe they might give it to that. Maybe they might give it to EEAO. But it depends on where the, the Academy votes. But apparently, a turnout among the Academy is at the highest it's been in a while. So I don't know. We'll see. People what are excited was. this year, huh? Hmm. But anyway, uh, adapted screenplay. Uh, for some reason, Top Gun Maverick is in this category, which Glass Onion uh, as well. This look, like one of the look, aspects of the movie. Yeah, I was gonna say the fact that. Let me just say this. I made it no secret that I think Aaron Kruger is one of the worst fucking screenwriters at this currently working. The fact that he got a fucking Oscar nomination feels wrong. <laughs> and call yeah, it me, call it me being a bitter bitch who hates nearly everything this man has written. So, but. <laughs> Yeah, but I still like Top Gun Maverick, but best screenplay? No. Again, this is why I say it shouldn't even be up for best picture is the thing, because the screenplay wasn't, wasn't, it was fine. It was serviceable. It got the point across. Not Oscar worthy. Yeah, definitely not. They're, knowing how Academy voters might vote, they might choose women talking, but I, I want it to be, I want it to be Glass Onion. Uh, yeah, I, I think a, it should. I think it should be Glass Onion. Easy, Gla- Glass Onion. Okay, so best animated feature. We're kind of split on that. I think it should be Puss in Boots: The Last Wish. Jazzy thinks it should be Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Crystal, what do you think it should be? So I haven't seen Marcel yet. So I'm excited. I'm, I want to see that. But of of the ones nominated, I'm kind of rooting for Pinocchio. I think Guillermo del Toro made a fantastic movie. Uh, I really. Was emotionally invested, and I think it was gorgeous. Um, I'll I'll say that if I'm cheering for Marcel, but I would not object to Pinocchio winning. I wouldn't object yeah, to any of them winning, honestly. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, honestly, Pinocchio is probably going to be the movie that is going to win. So we'll we'll see. But I, I'm like I said, I'm not opposed to because I love Turning Red. I've not seen Sea Beast or Marcel yet, but I also love Puss in Boots. So if any of those got it, I'd be ecstatic. But I'm always rooting for Guillermo because I love his work. So I, if there's if there's a movie that's not made by Disney that I'm that I think should that is that is up that I loved, I'll usually cheer for it on the basis that Disney wins too many goddamn times. And, and Disney owns owns the network that broadcasts the Oscars. And recently, some of those other studios have been putting out better animated films than Disney has. Mm-hmm. So true. Uh, also, fun fact, this is the first year in which DreamWorks films have outgrossed uh, Disney and Pixar. Goddamn. No, I, I, in regards to animation. I don't mean, of course, in regards to Marvel and Avatar. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, just purely animation, DreamWorks has bested Disney and Pixar. But um, I'll say this. I Like, I probably need to scooch out in less than 20, so I'll just say this in case we in case, like, this doesn't happen. I think it's a fucking sin that the Batman didn't get best didn't get a best original score nomination at the oh, very yeah. fucking least. You know, was robbed. Yeah, but, that is that is the biggest snub for me. But I will say they they probably are going to give it to Babylon, mm-hmm. which I still need to see. But I personally want it to be uh, John Williams for the Fablemans. Even though everything everywhere is also up for the award. Uh-huh. Um, so in terms of best original song, 
like I said, I haven't seen Tell It Like a Woman R or R R R, which I know which I know, Ash, you're still gonna beg me to see already. <laughs> Please see it. I um, haven't seen it either, but I want to. That's good. But but in terms of the three other movies that I did see in their best original song nomination, I think this is life is this is a life is the clear winner. Just because I don't fucking remember hold my hand or lift me up like there. So I I do like hold my hand from Top Gun, but because I, okay. I like Lady Gaga, but I, I agree it's not like you know it's not like something that's extremely memorable. Yeah. And I, I like this because this is an instance where my personal preference and what the Academy will probably pick go hand in hand. So, yeah, Natsu Natsu from our Also, kind of surprised to not not see Taylor Swift get nominated for her song. Uh, uh, but I just, you know, I, 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 I'm glad that there won't be discourse about that because if she got nominated, you know. <laughs> okay. Uh best sound. Okay, well first of all, Nope got snubbed. So yeah. there's that. Nope got but snubbed like completely. I think it. yeah, let's I think Nope might be the biggest snub of the entire of the entire year. Like Jesus Christ, nothing. Nothing for Kiki Palmer, really. Fuck you. Yeah. But they're probably going to give it to Top Gun Maverick. And they should, because Top Gun Maverick had amazing sound design. Yeah. Alright. Uh production design. Uh, that's gonna be close, uh, between, uh, Babylon and Avatar The Way of Water for me. Uh, they're probably gonna give it to Babylon. I was gonna say, I think they'd probably give it to Avatar, just judging them, but. Yeah, they will probably give it to Avatar to give them the one award. (laughs) Uh, uh, best cinematography, uh, Okay, they got All Quiet on the Western Front, Elvis. The fact that Everything Everywhere didn't get at least this, like, didn't get this as well. Cinematography, Batman didn't get nominated for cinematography, Avatar The Way of Water didn't get nominated for cinematography. Oh my god. (laughs) Jesus. But, I don't know, they're probably going to give it to All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, Makeup and hairstyling. Batman is up for this award. Uh, do you think mainly based off of um, Penguin? Probably, yeah. yeah. I think they should get the award just for Penguin alone because they made they made Colin Farrell look borderline unrecognizable. Plus, he killed but, it in that performance. Okay, but but you also have to consider that the whale is also up for that award. True. And Shit, you're right. Yeah. I mean, it's a yeah. I I I want it to be the Batman because yeah, Colin Farrell looked unrecognizable in that role. But they might give it to the whale. Maybe Black Panther Wakanda Forever. We'll see. Uh costume design. Uh hmm. They might give that to Wakanda Forever. It should or go Babylon. to it should go to I, everything everywhere. Yeah, it should, but they're probably gonna give it to Wakanda Forever. Uh film editing. Uh everything everywhere, obviously. Mm-hmm. But they're probably gonna give it to Top Gun Maverick. And then finally, visual effects. Avatar, easy. Mm-hmm. Avatar's gonna win. Yeah. All right. So uh, that, I guess that makes sense. Those are I would, the uh, I'll I say did, I'll say for visual effects, I would like to see it go to Batman just for a lot of its use of more practical effects. But I know it's gonna go to Avatar, like just because ooh, pretty. 
Yeah, I feel like if Avatar weren't up for the award, they'd probably give it to either the Batman or Top Gun Maverick. Right, and at least those movies, like, I get it, Avatar looks pretty, but I admire films that also aren't afraid to use more practical effects, so. Yeah. Like, say, Evil Dead 2013? (laughs) Oh, yeah, I did watch that, didn't I? Yeah. And what did you think, Jazzy? It was bloody, and I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I insisted that she watch it. Um, you watched the unrated cut of that movie, correct? Yes, did. I did. Surprisingly, I still haven't seen that version. Probably because I have the original Blu-ray release before they did the that cut came out. I think it came out like just a few years ago, right? Yeah. Okay, so I'm, I, yeah, I, I only saw the initial cut, so I'd have to go back and watch the uh, the extra gory version. <laughs> Uh, real quick, since I'll need to go in like ten or so minutes, um, I wanted to talk about some games I've been playing. <laughs> Let us fill us in. What have you been playing? Uh, I have been playing. Um, so recently, Atlas decided to re-release both Persona Three Portable and Persona Four Golden on more modern consoles because these are both considered ideal versions to play. But, um. Portable was stuck on PSP, and Golden was stuck on the Vita until last year when it got a PC release, but still nothing on consoles. So now we have two of the biggest games in the series before prior to Persona 5 now now available on pretty much everything. And I actually beat Persona 3 Portable the other day and am now going through Persona 4 Golden. And I gotta say... Despite the fact that Portable is a really weird fucking choice for to put on home consoles for obvious reasons. <laughs> it's actually a very fun game, and still as fun as I remember. Uh, there is some audio compression, I noticed, and like I said, because this was a stripped-back version made for the PSP, it is a weird version to put on consoles. And also the fact that you have, unfortunately... Because they just they didn't put any new voice acted content, they just decided to rip the dub whole, wholesale and put it and just put it in. That means certain problematic voice actors are still in the cast. Oh, oh, huh. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess that's true. Shoot. Hmm. Which is unfortunate. And keep in mind. So okay, I'll just say it right out. Uh, so it still has Vic Mignogna in the role of Junpei. <laughs> And keep in mind, I hadn't played Persona 3 since sometime before that whole controversy happened. Let me tell you, a lot of this character does not age well with that voice. Oh, no. (laughs) Because the whole point of Junpei is he starts the game out as kind of a womanizer and a bit of a perv, but he kind of betters himself as the story goes, which is fine. It's just real. It's just the scenes of him being a shit are kind of more disturbing because it's that guy. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, Persona 4 Golden doesn't exactly have a problem, major problematic actor in the main cast, so we're good. Okay. Um, and that game's playing well. I honestly think that makes a smoother transition to home consoles than Persona 3 Portable did, because basically, the Vita was just slightly more powerful than a PS2, keep in mind. So they were able to put pers- like an extent an expanded version of Persona 4 on there with no sacrifices and only additions, which was impressive and made it questionable why this wasn't on a fucking console. 
I have not played any of the Persona games, but I keep hearing that they're good. Yeah, um, it's also either. It's also interesting because Persona Four has an instance of a character who questions his sexuality, and I gotta say, while the while the way they handled this particular topic was pretty great for late two thousands PS two game, you also gotta keep in mind it comes from late two thousands PS two game. Yeah, yeah, that's that's also true. So while I have my praises for how they handled a certain topic, there's also problems. <laughs> that's kind of like how I feel about like. <laughs> this is not Persona related, but uh, there is a trans character in Twin Peaks, the original. And for nineteen nine early nineties television, they handle her with extreme uh, grace. Comparatively, I mean, there's still problematic, problematic elements, as in it's David Duchovny playing her. So, right. um, and another character makes a crack, but I will say that the lead character Cooper, uh, like treats her with the utmost respect, and they don't like he immediately like accepts her because he knew her before she transitioned. Uh, and I gotta say, for the early '90s, that's some pretty amazing. Uh, bit right. of empathy, you know, right. like mm-hmm. that's miraculous, is what it is. So it with Persona, really is. so with Persona Four, the whole deal is that there's a character named Kanji who's kind of like this, like tough guy, macho man type deal, and he has a like he's um he's kind of like seen as a delinquent and everything. Um, this is also one of the earliest um big performances for Troy Baker, interestingly enough. Huh. Um. So anyway, um. But he finds himself having a crush on a male presenting student named, um, student in his class named, named Naoto. And the whole, th- so, and the whole concept of Persona 4 is that when you're stuck in the shadow world, your insecurities are made manifest and heavily exaggerated. So for Kanji, his shadow is basically this extremely flamboyant, uh, gay, gay man making a lot of innuendos, basically. It's, it's humor that hasn't aged well, but it has a point, so I'm kind of going to let it slide. Like the whole, the, you're okay, Pat. <laughs> right. right. It's like the whole point is he's worried about how if it came out that he has a thing for guys, um, how he would be seen in the world because this is early 2010s Japan. So right. Yeah. So the whole point. So like the whole point of that is that he's trying to accept himself, and it's interesting. Um, and he has a line when he accepts himself that I like where that I actually still really like where he said, it ain't a matter of dudes or chicks. I'm just scared shit of shitless of being, of being rejected. Hmm. (laughs) Like he's just like, so yeah, the obvious interpretation is that the character is bisexual at the very least. So, uh, but then of course, uh, none of this is, none of this really matters for the rest of the game. And the, and the guy he was in love with, uh, Naoto, is later revealed to be to be a woman in her own little arc, which um, mm, I'm going to be interested going back to that one to see how well that's aged. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah. Because, hmm, <laughs> I remember something and being a tran and playing Persona 4, I'm just like, oh, fuck, how did they handle this aspect in the late 2000s? And I have nothing to contribute to this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got as much as that I heard it's it's good. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, like I said, 
interesting going back to something that was considered a rather revolutionary characterization in the late 2000s, but realizing, oh shit, there were some problems here. Yeah, that's kind of how it goes. But anyway, I'm going to go ahead and head off and leave the rest of the podcast to you, ladies. We'll take, we'll take, we'll take the reins. Thank you for at least being on for a bit. Uh, Obviously, we'll lead up for the next episode. Bye, Jazzy. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, now that, she, now that she's gone, we're going to talk shit, right? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. There were two. Uh, um, kind of video game adjacent related, I've been playing the Assassin's Creed games. Uh, so I am on Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. So. And how's that? I, I like it. So when I played... When I played the Assassin's Creed games years ago, um, I beat two, and then I started Brotherhood, and then I, for some reason in the middle, got kind of tired, and so I stopped playing it, partially because it was, like, more of the same and I wanted something different. So I am more back into, like, um, like, I'm trying to actually make it through at least a good portion of the series. So I, uh, I am liking Brotherhood. Brotherhood's a good game. It's not as, like, so, like, the difference between the first two games is that the second game was just a million times better than the first Assassin's Creed. I don't even know if I want to go back to the first Assassin's Creed because it's very, it's very wonky, uh, let's say. Um, the, the second game is way, has a way better story, uh, way tighter controls and way more interesting, like, lore it's building upon. Uh, and Brotherhood is kind of like extended DLC of two like it's a full game that adds some new elements but it's more like the same story so it doesn't do anything like too revolutionary between the second game and brotherhood uh other than being like the second game had open world areas but they were like different levels that were each individual cities essentially that were each individually open world that you had to like go between but brotherhood is just the city of rome uh, and that's it. Like, it's just a one big city, uh, with different, like, you know, aspects to it. Uh, so, I, I think one of my favorite things about this series is that it loves to mix, mix mess with history and kind of, like, reshape your, your ideas of, like, political figures or historical figures. So, like, one of your best friends in the game is Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> and his whole role is like not only he's a painter and they they mention that um his whole role is that he invents things for you so your gadgets come directly from his his mind which is a really fun sort of gameplay thing but i really also appreciate brotherhood because it did one thing and it said and it made no big deal about it da vinci was gay or at least bisexual uh and that's historically accurate and the game doesn't mock him for it. So that's actually pretty cool for a game from, like, 2011. Uh, so yeah, I never played any of the Assassin's Creed game, Creed they're, game. They're fun. They're, like, historical fiction, but mixed with, like, science fiction. All right. If that makes sense. Like That makes sense. Uh, I don't want to get into, like, 
too spoilery of that story, but like you think things are like between humans and then you realize that there's something somewhat supernatural going on too. Uh, so it's very convoluted. I think by now, from what I've heard, the story, because I've had so many games, is immensely convoluted. But, like, <laughs> so, that's kind of how it goes. Um, but, yes, uh, I do recommend them. They're fun uh, for what they are. Are, do you, um, are they standalone stories, or do you have to play them in order? So, oh, so I, from what I know... Of, let's just say the first, I guess, three games, or like, five games, really, because they did, so they did Assassin's Creed 1, and you learn about Desmond, who's really the protagonist of the series, he is in modern, like, more modern day, and they're using this machine called the Animus to look into his, his, basically, ancestral memories, and so what the game is, it's like, you're kind of going back, in the first game, you meet Altair, which is his ancestor, uh, in ancient, like, Middle East. And so, like, a lot of that's set during that, but, like, you'll get occasional story elements of going back to Desmond. I don't want to explain this full story narrative because there's, like, two groups, the Assassins and the Templars, and the Templars are evil, and you're part of the Assassin Brotherhood playing Desmond. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's... Yeah, so, basically, you do have to play the first game to get the... The, the story, or at least watch something, because you'll have to... By the time you get to 2, um, it's still Desmond you're following through the, all these games, but it's different ancestors, and 2, Brotherhood and Revelations is all his, his ancestor, Ezio, in uh, ancient... or in Renaissance Italy. So, uh, they all like to change different time periods and what. And I think 3... Which also has Desmond in it, and I think is Desmond's last game, um, is set in 1700s, uh, America. And so George Washington's major character, and your, your character is Native American that you play, I don't know his name. Um, so, yeah, you do kind of have to play them in order, or at least watch stories about them. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, uh, Kingdom Hearts a bit in that way. <laughs> Ah. Uh, where there's like, that's the problem though, is because it's such a popular series, it's like Kingdom Hearts where you have like 20 different games and they all kind of tie in together, you know? Alright. Even the movie is considered canon in the universe. Uh, so, not that it matters because that movie doesn't even really like acknowledge any of the other characters, but still. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm not saying much. I, I just don't have much. You, you, no, you don't have much to say on that. Um, but, like, okay, I'll I'll check them out, though. Uh, they're good. Um, uh, I think I, I wanted to bring up one more game, and then we can end on some other topic. But um, the other game I've been playing, or started playing, is Psychonauts 2. I don't know if you ever played the first one at all. I have not. Okay. I think that's a fun game you should go back to. It's got like a really fun sense of humor about it. Um basically it's it's the first game is set at a psychic summer camp where kids could who have psychic abilities are being trained to potentially join this super secret agent group called the Psychonauts who basically stop bad guys. Um but the game has a very uh tongue in cheek sense of humor to it. The characters are very funny. Um 
I forget his name. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, the voice actor from yeah. that. You would you would know him. Sorry, I'm sort of Richard Richard Horvitz. You know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's the voice of Raz, the main character. In both games. Uh, what's cool about Psychonauts 2 is that the first game came out in 2005, and the second game literally came out in 2021. So there was, like, a huge gap in time. So that's definitely a game that, like, was... It was basically a critical acclaim when it came out in 2005, but commercial failure. Like, it didn't do well at all. But it gained a cult following because it's very good. It's, like, a very well-made, very engaging game and very like really moving story at times uh and from what i've heard too and so far it's really fun it's like the same gameplay but super polished um and it has all the cast coming back to it to do to, to the voices um what i've heard so far the game handles mental health extremely well because a lot of the portions of the storytelling is going into other people's mind so like through like your psychic abilities, so you get to see the people's trauma, and that's a big part of it. Um, but from what I've heard, the game handles mental health extremely well. It's very sensitive, uh, so that is that is definitely a good thing to point out when you play those games. Um, gotcha. I don't. So yeah, <laughs> that's what I've been doing lately. I've been wa- trying to watch the Academy Award nominated movies, uh, and I've also been trying to play some games because it. Helps me not think about the demons. Not the demon in our corner. The demon is fine. She's she's doing okay. Okay, well, good. Well, I was gonna say uh, the next movie on your list, since it's on uh, HBO Max, you should probably watch Banshees of Inisherin. Yeah, I definitely will. That's definitely on my to watch list. But I I, I got I got I got a movie today that I want to see soon. Because uh, excited. Uh, I want to finally see Swiss Army Man. Oh, that that's that is my favorite movie of 2016, and you should definitely see it. I should definitely do that because I I went back and watched uh, I watched the turn down for what music video <laughs> the oh, Daniels yeah. did because that movie that music video is amazing. Like, yeah. Uh, have you seen any of their short films? Someone posted a clip from one recently. Um. But yeah, they I haven't seen the full thing. To see. You made what? They made plenty of short films for you to enjoy. Okay, I need to go. That one. <laughs> I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, when it, it went kind of viral on yeah, Twitter. I know which one you're talking about. Also, also apparently tomorrow night, uh, Bruce Campbell is getting roasted. Oh. Yeah, well, and- Dana is partaking in that roast. Huh. Where is this happening? Uh, it's, ha- it's happening at 7.30 your time. Uh, but it's at San Francisco Sketchfest. Oh. Huh. You think but they're yeah, going to like, ever like record that? Or is that going to be like, you have to be there? Uh, I think they're recording it. I mean, yeah, it says live stream available 48 hours after show airs. Oh, cool. 
So, yeah, I'll be sure to catch that. <laughs> For any Evil Dead and Bruce Campbell fans, yeah, watch well, the roast of him. Like, like, I, like I keep saying, the both of us are named after this franchise. Oh, yes, I definitely took my last, the, no, no, that's my, definitely my real last name. Uh-huh, sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah, sure. 100%. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's what happened. And I took my my first name from that franchise. Yes. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, yes. Well, the two of us together makes a complete Ash. Ash Williams. Yes, Ash Williams. All right. Um, there there yeah, is something I, I want to mention. Uh, um, what, what? Oh, I'm just gonna say The Last of Us is still very good. The TV show. And um, I still haven't seen that series yet, but I will. I hope you enjoy it when you see it. We will wrap up a sec, but I just wanted to say that, like, I'm very excited for the next episode. Um, and yeah, and show, I'm not going to spoil already, anything. It already got renewed for season two, from what I hear. Yes. Yes, it did. Um, I I am not happy for when the when the gayness shows up in that show, because that's baked into the importance of the series. Uh, and I won't say anything more, but I am... I am I am not looking forward to Last of Us Gone Woke now. <laughs> uh, okay, I think I think we reached a good good enough point. Uh so this is a shorter episode, but um we've all been a little bit on the busy side. So <laughs> um, Yeah. Yeah, we have. All right, uh Crystal, you want to say where the viewers can find you or the listeners yes. Everyone out there, I love you. You can follow me on Twitter, CrystalWRocks, and in my bio on Twitter, uh, you can find my link tree, which connects to like most of my social media platforms, and you can also donate if you like. Uh, Ash, do you want to tell where the good people can find you? Uh, yes, you can find me on Twitter at AshyGroovy, and on Letterboxd at AshySlashy. Well, you should definitely go follow us. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Galaxy Kingdom podcast. We're always happy to have you here. Uh, we always, we're always happy to do this show. Very grateful that we can still continue doing it to this day. So be on the lookout for more episodes. I love you all. Bye. Bye. Glad to be back. Bye.